0: Praise the Lord. I want you to turn in your Bibles to two openings of Scripture tonight, Mark chapter 11 and James chapter 1. Mark chapter 11, James chapter 1. I want to teach on a subject uh, that, that is uh, really basic, foundational. Uh, it's not one of those things that you can ever hear too much of, to be honest with you, and uh, is, is one of the reasons, in my experience, one of the main reasons why people fail to receive their healing. You get a hold of this, and, and you can be assured of answers and And uh, results from God in every situation and every time. Mark chapter 11 verse 24. Jesus telling about the prayer of faith. Describing the prayer of faith said this. He said, therefore I say unto you. What things soever you desire. When you pray. Notice when has to do with time. What things soever you desire. When you pray, believe. Notice he tells you when to believe. You don't believe when you see the results. You believe when you pray. When you pray, believe that you receive them. Meaning whatever those things are that you desire. And you shall have them. Now notice James chapter 1 and verse 22. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving yourselves. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving your own selves. You know it's a, Brother Hagen used to say this all the time. And, uh, and he's right. He was right then. It's true today. We've got a lot of self-deceived Christians. One translation says uh, deluding yourself. Rather than deceiving yourself. We've got a lot of self-deceived and self-deluded Christians. Now, the the fact of the matter is this. There are a lot of Christians that are self-deceived and not deceived by the devil, self-deceived or self-deluded in the areas of their own faith and healing. And it has nothing to do with the ambiguity, any kind of ambiguity in in teaching about either of those areas, healing or faith, but they're self-deceived because they won't act on this one verse of Scripture. Jesus said, therefore I say unto you, when you pray, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Now let's look at a couple of examples of healing in Jesus' ministry to, to, to gain the, the, um, the insight into to what to do and how to do it. Matthew chapter 8 tells us the story of, uh, of a man that had great faith. He was a centurion. Jesus commended him for great faith. Well, what was great faith in Jesus' day would be great faith today, wouldn't it? So if we want to know what great faith looks like, here's an example. Let's start reading in verse 5. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lies at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. I like the, the original Greek on that a little better. It says, having come, I will heal him. See, the, the King James translates it as Jesus is saying to him personally, well, I will come and do something about your situation. But the original Greek is something entirely different. The original Greek is the fact that Jesus came indicated God's willingness to heal. Having come, I will heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou should come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled. Now we have an example in Mark chapter 6 where Jesus marveled at people's unbelief. But here Jesus marveled because of this man's faith. Jesus marveled when he heard it and said unto them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel." And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. In other words, he's saying faith just won't be found among the Jews. The family of God's a lot bigger than just the the, uh, tribes of Abraham. But the children of the kingdom, verse 12, but the children of the kingdom, talking about the Jews, shall be cast out into outer darkness and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Notice he said this in relation to faith. In other words, faith gets you in, but no matter even if you were born... As an Old Testament covenant, right, covenant partner. Or someone that had a right to the old covenant uh, blessings of Abraham. Without faith you're going to be left on the outside. And Jesus said to the centurion. Go thy way and as thou hast believed. Please notice that phrase. And as you have past tense believed. So be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the self same hour. Now the thing that makes this great faith. And the thing that we need to take uh, notice of is the centurion, and and I should stop and say this, uh, I think it's Luke's account, goes into a little bit more detail about this and says that Jesus is um, uh, encouraged by the rulers of the synagogue in Capernaum to go to this man's house, to go to the centurion's house because the centurion has given a lot of money for the building of that synagogue. Well, you know the Old Testament blessing... Old Testament uh, statement that God made to Abraham, I'll bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you. So Jesus, even though the centurion is not a Jew and he's operating in Judea, Judea, uh, Jesus is willing to go to the centurion's house and, and bestow a blessing of healing upon his servant as he desires because he's been good to the Jews. He's shown kindness to the Jewish people, helped them build a synagogue, should have been able to build their own synagogue. But nevertheless, the centurion had a hand in it. And so Jesus is willing to go to his house and starts on his house, starts on the way to his house. But the centurion hears that he's coming apparently and sends out a servant halfway and says, wait a minute, that's not what I was after. You don't have to come to my house. I'm not worthy that you should come to my house. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. And that's when Jesus, uh, Matthew leaves out that little bit of uh, extra detail in here. But it comes to the same point and that's where Jesus marvels because of his great faith. But the important thing is this, great faith says all I need is the word. And folks, that's always what great faith does. Great faith always says, all I need is the word. Just give me the word. Just say the word. Now at this point, the centurion had no reason to believe that Jesus had said the word that would cover his case. Because he's healing people individually. He's healing them according to their presence at his meetings or or the the things that they petition him for as they come to him and so forth. So there's been no blanket statement made that would cover the centurion's uh, need for healing for his servant so he needs to hear something he needs something to be said that he can rely on and put his faith in but his faith is whatever Jesus says because Jesus has authority over sickness he's proven that by the works that he's already done in Capernaum if that weren't the case the centurion wouldn't have sent anybody to him Jesus wasn't healing people there's no reason for the centurion to send to him a petition for healing for his servant So he's heard about what Jesus has done. So he recognizes Jesus has authority over sickness and disease. So all I need is Jesus to say the word. Apparently speaking the word had something to do with the healings that he had heard about. If all he had heard about was Jesus laying hands on people. And he thought the power was by physical touch of Jesus. Then he wouldn't have said don't come to my house. Right. He had to have heard something. That caused him to believe that Jesus had authority over sickness and disease through his words and not just through laying on of hands or physical touch or some other means. If the only healing that Jesus had heard about was the guy that, uh, uh, that was uh, born blind and Jesus spit and made clay on uh, the spittle and, and rubbed it on his eyes, then he would have said, come spit on my servant. Right? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. That's the only thing he would have had a reason to believe for. So something about what he's heard about Jesus has caused him to realize and caused him to conclude that Jesus had authority over sickness and disease and all it takes is a word from him. And apparently he relates to that authority that he's uh, concluded that Jesus has whatever story of healing he's heard or stories that he's heard about Jesus healing because he recognizes, hey, this works the same way for Jesus concerning sickness and disease as it works concerning me and the servants and the centurion's soldiers under my authority. I don't have to check up on it. I don't have to go do everything myself. All I have to do is say the word and they do it. Because I have authority. They wouldn't dare try to break the ranks of my authority. Right? So he says, speak the word only. And that's what Jesus marvels at. He says, I found somebody that's willing to take the word and the word only. It doesn't take my physical touch. It doesn't even take my presence. The centurion is certainly not interested in celebrity. He's not interested in the famous preacher coming to his house. He says, speak the word only and my servant will be healed. And Jesus says, wow, that's great faith. Now, can I ask you a question? I'm going to anyway, it's rhetorical. If Jesus Jesus marveled at great faith when he was here on the earth, you think he's still looking for great faith today? Let me ask it another way. Isn't this what Jesus wants things to be like? Well, certainly it is. Otherwise, he would have said, well, this guy's great, got great faith. That's not the, the way I want it always to work, but he's got great faith. But he marvels. and says, man, that's what I'm looking for from the east to the west. Not just among the, the people of Israel, but from the east to the west. And so he gives him the word that he's looking for. He said, go your way, and as thou hast believed, be it done unto you. As thou hast believed, be it done unto you. Jesus did not even say, okay, I speak healing to your servant now. He said, as you've believed. Be it done unto you. Well, what did he believe? All Jesus had to say the word and all Jesus had to do was say the word and his servant would be healed. So Jesus just says, okay, just like you believe for, let it be like that. Jesus doesn't even go into a discourse about, well, okay, now here's how God wants it to be. He says, as you believed, you're the one that initiated this. You're the one that's believing something. As you have believed, be it done unto you. What if the centurion had only believed for his servant to get better a little bit, but not to get completely well? What if he believed for him to, if, if this uh, palsy condition that he was in was causing an inconvenience? What if he just believed for the symptoms to, to, to improve but not to be healed wholly? How does Jesus know? Other than what the centurion says, speak the word only and my servant will be healed. That's all Jesus has to go on. And notice Jesus is not there to make sure that everything worked out just exactly right. Notice he's not there to to, uh, uh, to massage this guy's faith. Or anybody else in the house and say, now wait a minute. Just in case you're not believing for the whole thing, let's get the whole thing here. He just simply turns it over to the guy. He said, it's according to the guy's will, his willingness to believe. He said, as you have believed, be it unto you. Folks, it's always going to be according to what you believe. And the devil's always going to try to tell you to believe small. Now don't get me wrong, we all start off believing small. Everybody starts there. I think a lot of times we make mistakes when we start off too big and we bite off more than we can choose, so to speak, spiritually. We try to believe for something that we really don't have confidence in. We may even try to make confessions that we really don't believe in our heart. And when it doesn't work, we get discouraged and say, well, I don't know what happened there, but on the inside we really do. We really know the witness of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. We knew all the time, you know, we weren't believing for that. We were wanting that to be the case, but we really weren't believing for that. What we were believing for was something else i've tried to i've been in situations where i've tried to get people to believe for their healing, but what they were really believing for is for the doctor to be able to help them well, after a while, you come to the place where you realize they're not where I, they may not be where I am, they may not be where I want them to be let's go with where they are because that's what they're going to get according to what they believed. but Jesus again identifies great faith as speak the word only all I need is the word. all I need is the word. Jesus, you give me the word, I'll take care of the rest. I'll take care of the believing part. I believe your word is true. You just speak the word only. Now, let me show you another example over in John chapter 4. John chapter 4 is a totally different situation in respect of where the people that desire healing are at. The centurion is in perfect position. Speak the word only and my servant will be healed. John chapter 4 is the healing of the nobleman's son, and man, he is on the other end of the spectrum here. Let's start reading in verse 46. John chapter 4, verse 46. So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman, nobleman means ruler, apparently he was a ruler of the synagogue uh, or some type, whose son was sick at Capernaum. And when he had heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said unto him, Please notice Jesus' words to this man. Jesus recognizes that there's something different about this guy. This is not like the centurion came and said, Speak the word only. This guy says, Come to my house and touch my son so my son won't die. Obviously his son is in a critical condition. You can understand the desperation of a parent who has a child in this place. But Jesus recognizes that there, that there is something missing in this situation. There's something missing about this guy. This has to be some kind of revelation, some kind of uh, inward witness that Jesus has to respond the way that he does. But Jesus said unto him, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. In other words, Jesus identifies that the nobleman is looking to see something and then try to believe after. He's looking for Jesus to come to his house work some kind of healing miracle on his son, and then he'll believe. And Jesus knows it doesn't work that way. Again, remember, we referred to it just a little bit ago. In Mark chapter 6, it says, in Jesus' own hometown of Nazareth, he could there, Mark 6, 5, and he could there do no mighty work. He didn't have any blind eyes open in Nazareth. He didn't have any lepers healed. He didn't have anybody that was crippled to be able to walk. He could there in Nazareth do no mighty work. doesn't say he wouldn't. It says he couldn't. Look it up for yourself if you don't. If you're not aware of the scripture, look the look the Greek words up. They really mean that he couldn't. It doesn't say that he wasn't or was unwilling to. It says that he was unable to. And some people will stop right there and say, "Well, now wait a minute. Jesus was the Son of God. He can do anything." Apparently not. If Jesus could do anything, and the Bible says that he couldn't do any mighty work in Nazareth, then the Bible's a lie, and we have no hope of finding out how Jesus really works. The Bible is either true or it's not. The Bible says he couldn't do anything in Nazareth. Any big thing in Nazareth at least. The only thing he was able to do. was lay his hands on a few folks with minor ailments. And get them healed. And he marveled because of their unbelief. So he went round about their cities and villages. Teaching trying to inspire people to believe. Get them to encourage them to believe. By telling them the truth. But he couldn't do anything in Nazareth. Why? Because they wouldn't believe. Here's Jesus in the same situation or a similar situation with the noble one. He says, unless you see something, you're not going to believe. So the man obviously is not in faith. What's Jesus going to be able to do for the son when the father is in unbelief? Nothing. Not a thing. So here's a a, a textbook case of how to get somebody from unbelief into faith. Because we know Jesus winds up healing the son. How do you get somebody from unbelief into faith? You may be in a situation where you're thinking, well, I want to believe, I want to believe, but I can't believe, or I've tried to believe, or whatever. If you want to find out how you can get from one place to another, from unbelief to faith, here's the answer. It works for everybody, and it works every time. Are you out there? Jesus said, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. He didn't say you can't believe, he said you won't. So Jesus or the nobleman answers and says, "Sir, come down, ere or else my child will die." You can see what he's trying to, to, what he's hoping for. He's thinking that unless I can get Jesus in my house and touching my son, my son's going to die. Now, what does this man know? He knows that Jesus has healed people by touch, right? That may not be the only thing he knows about Jesus, but at least we know that he knows that. Jesus has healed people by touch. Now, the fact that Jesus has healed people by laying his hands on them or touching them physically in some way or another may be the reason why this guy thinks that that's all there is to it. We know, you and I know, that that healing or any power of God, any blessing of God only comes by faith in a response to faith on the part of the individual, right? Outside of the, the rare cases where God will initiate some things on his own. But in Jesus ministry that was a rare situation so we would expect to be rare in our lives and ministry as well, right? So we know that there had to be faith in operation for Jesus to heal people through physical touch or any other method or manner that he used. Right? This man doesn't apparently doesn't know that. Apparently this man doesn't recognize the faith Of the individuals at work. That enabled them to receive of the healing touch of Jesus. He just sees Jesus. He sees or hears of Jesus touching people. Hears of the results of their healing. And thinks that's all I need. And Jesus knows that if he goes to his house. nothing's going to happen. Please get this folks. If Jesus went to the nobleman's house. Nothing is going to happen for that boy. Jesus is not being mean. Saying I'm not coming to your house. You're not my kind of guy. I don't like you. Jesus is trying to get this guy in a position where his son will get what he needs and live and not die. Now sometimes the way to get to the the end result is not the way people want. It wasn't in this case. This guy wanted Jesus to come. At all costs, Jesus come to my house. And Jesus basically says, wouldn't do any good, I'm not going. Now that would be the point where some people would puff up like an old toad frog and say, well those healing preachers... That's just the way they are, isn't it? But what's Jesus after? Jesus is after this man and his son getting results. He's after his son living a long and healthy life. So Jesus does the only thing that's going to make a difference for this father and this son. And what does he do? The nobleman's son says, Jesus, you've got to come down to my house or else my son will die. And Jesus said unto him, go your way, your son liveth. Now, there's two ways you can interpret that. You look at the original translation, the original Greek, and and there's really no way to tell. It could be one of two ways. The language is indistinct enough to where it could be either way. He could be saying, go your way, your son does live. Or he could be saying, go your way and your son will live. It may be splitting hairs between the two, between the difference. Because in the, the final analysis, Jesus is saying, the only way that your son is going to receive anything, the only way that you're going to get the help that you're looking for, is to go your way. Now, he can either be going because he believes something has happened, or he can be going because he believes something will happen. But Jesus has got to get him acting on something he can't see. He's got to turn him... From looking for a physical touch from Jesus. Because Jesus has the power. To acting on something invisible. To being a doer of the word. Can you see it? That's the only thing that's going to make a difference in this father's life in this son's life. It's the only thing that's going to keep this son from dying. He's got to get his father acting on what he can't see. Acting like what Jesus said was true. Now, notice he didn't say, go your way and make confessions enough times and it'll work. Notice he didn't say, go and believe the right thing and make sure you don't do the wrong thing. And then it might work for you. He just said, act like what I'm telling you is true. Folks, faith, in the final analysis, faith is acting like God's word is true. The reason confession is, is, uh, works the way that it does, the reason why you can have what you say, is because when we say it, something in line with the word, we're acting like God's word is true. Confession itself is an action on God, upon God's word. In some cases, there's something more that we can do besides just speak the word. That's what Jesus is telling this father to do. Notice he does not say, say this after me, my son will live in Jesus' name he says, go your way. Your son lives. Act like the word is true. Be a doer of the word and not a hearer only, deceiving yourself. See, this guy's deceived and he doesn't know it. The problem with self-deception is you don't know you're being deceived. This man has been deceived into thinking that it's just about the guy with the power. How many Christians do you know that are in that boat? I know of people that are running from one healing ministry meeting to the next healing ministry meeting and to the next one and the next one and the next one. They run all over town trying to get everybody to pray for them. And all it would take was them to act on the word, do what this guy did, act on the word that Jesus has spoken, act on the word that says that by Jesus' stripes you're healed, and they could have their healing. But they think that it's something more. They think they've got to get to somebody that's got the power. They either don't want to take the responsibility of believing anything on their own or don't see the importance of it or whatever. Either way, they're self-deceived because faith is the only way to receive from God. And so they'll come here and let me lay hands on them and get nothing, go away and say, well, he doesn't have it. Go down the road to somebody else that they can find that will lay hands on them, get nothing, walk away and say, well, they didn't have it either. When the reality is they're self-deceived, they're deceiving themselves about what their healing, uh, the way their healing is going to come or how healing works when all they'd have to do is be a doer of the word. Jesus has got to get this guy acting on something he can't see because that's what faith does. Faith acts like God's word is true even though you can't see it. So Jesus said, go your way, your son lives. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him and he went his way. Can I ask you a question? What in the world turned this guy around from being in a position where Jesus said except you see something you're not going to believe. To now he believes. Has this man seen the light? Has a light shined down from heaven and all of a sudden changed this man's makeup? Has his spiritual eyes been opened or his mind been opened to his like Heaven flooded his soul and he says oh wait I see how it works. No. He made a choice. He made a choice. Something about what Jesus said, go your way, your son is okay or will be okay, whichever way you want to interpret that, doesn't matter to me. Something about what Jesus said caused the man to say, well, all right then. I don't need Jesus to come to my house after all. I personally believe Jesus said, go your way, something has happened. Now, whether that was the case, in fact, we know that it's not the case. If we read a little bit further, we know that something has not happened yet. But God, Romans chapter 4 says, calls things that be not as though they are. Jesus says something as if it's already happened, but yet it hasn't happened yet. Well, what's going to cause it to happen? The man believing and acting on what he can't see. Folks, that's how faith works. That's how God's word works. God's word may declare things that look to you to be absolutely in, in opposition to what you know the circumstances of your life to be. Well, if you want the circumstances of your life to change, all you have to do is act like what God said is true. Because God calls things that be not as though they are. We want to wait till they are and then say hallelujah. But the way to make them as if they are is to act on them when you can't see them. So the man believed the word that Jesus said and went his way. Verse 51, please notice verse 51. And as he was now going... As he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. And then he inquired of them the hour when he began to amend. When did he begin to get better? And the servants said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth, and himself believed in his whole house. Now notice it was the same hour, not the same instant. Why does it say the same hour and not that moment of time when Jesus said go your way your son lives. Why is that? Because his faith triggered the healing power to work. It didn't happen. He didn't start. The fever didn't leave him. The fever didn't break until the father started going down the road. Why? Because he had to be a doer of what Jesus said in order to make it work. Faith in God's word Acting on God's word, let me say it this way, acting on God's word always makes God's word come to pass. Let me show you another example. Look with me over to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. We'll start reading in verse uh, 11. And it came to pass, as he, Jesus, went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, what do they know about Jesus? They're not crying out to everybody for mercy. What do they know about Jesus? They know that Jesus has healed people. They know that Jesus has shown mercy, healing mercy on people. I don't think they're saying Jesus just bless us. We're about to die and rot away. Mercy has to refer to their healing, doesn't it? So they've heard about Jesus showing healing mercy on others. Or else what are they calling out to him for that for themselves in this case? Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And when he, Jesus, saw them, he said unto them, go show yourselves unto the priests. Now, you've got to know a little bit about the Jewish law to understand what this is about. So let me just kind of catch you up to, to speed on this. Every leper wanted to be healed. Every leper was commanded and uh, was really outcast from society. There were certain places where lepers would, would congregate and people would come from town, sometimes families, sometimes just uh, benefactors that were trying to show mercy on, uh, on those that were in this grievous condition. It was an incurable disease. And so they'd come down to where they were and send food or send people with food and things like that and leave it far away from where the people were camped. And then after the people were gone, then the the lepers would come out and and take the food and and water and whatever provisions they made back to to where they were, back to their camp because of the contagiousness, the the highly contagious uh, uh, characteristics of leprosy. Nobody wanted to be around. Nobody wanted to touch anybody and that type of thing. Consequently, lepers were forbidden by the Jewish law, the law of Moses, to come and have contact with anybody. That's why they're standing afar off and crying to Jesus from the hillside. They can't come down to where Jesus is and say, Jesus, lay your hands on us. They're crying out from afar because they can't mingle. They can't mix with, with society. And so they're outcasts. And so a leper certainly wanted to be healed and lepers leper certainly wanted to be uh, proclaimed as healed. And sometimes uh, when leprosy would first begin, it was a progressive type thing. When leprosy would first begin, people would hide it. They would hide their condition. They didn't want anybody to know. Now certainly they're putting other people at risk, but they were more concerned for their own Uh, selfish desires and stuff like that they were the well being of others and so if anyone was ever declared or found out to be a leper they had to go to the the outcast locations or whatever and the only way they could ever leave that place and come back and enter society is if they presented themselves to the priest for the priest to examine them head to toe and make sure there were no leprosy no signs of leprosy left in their body otherwise somebody could just come away and have something covered up and say well i'm healed and you know get back in society and and you know cause other people to catch their contagious disease so go show yourself to the priest with something that took place after a leper was cleansed and only if a leper was cleansed because he was not allowed to be in contact with the priest anymore he was allowed to be in contact with anybody else unless he had been healed of his disease so jesus saying go show yourself to the priest every leper knows this every leper in in uh um Israel knows about this they know what's contrary to the law of Moses they know what's allowed if they if they break the law of Moses and come into where other people are everybody else has a right to a legal right to stone them and to, to take their life so everybody's well aware of what's going on on both sides of this issue and so when Jesus says go show yourself to the priest he's saying act like you've been clean or cleansed act like you're clean from your leprosy In other words, act like something you can't see has happened. Act like healing that you can't see has already taken place. That's what go yourself, show yourself to the priest means. Act like something that you can't see has already happened. Healing. What are they going to do with that? Well, I guess it depends on what they believe about Jesus. I'm sure that that would have been a great place, and at least in the modern day church. That would have been a great place to have a committee meeting. Now let's talk this over. If we go to the priest. In the condition that we're in now. They'll have us stoned. We'll never make it out alive. Who is this Jesus guy anyway? What did he tell us that for? Why didn't he tell it, Why didn't he raise his hand. And wave from afar. And say be healed. Because Jesus always tried to lead people into faith. In one of two ways. Either get them to say. What they believed in line with God's plan. Or act. Take some physical action. In line with the word of God. So Jesus says. Go show yourself to the priests." And it came to pass. Please notice this. It does not say something happened instantly. And it came to pass. That as they went. They were cleansed. Now I've got another question. How far did they go? They go 10 steps. They go 50 steps they go a mile? Did they get halfway to the priest? Did they get to the door of the temple? How far did they go? Well, I'm just like you. I want it to happen right away. So let's take three steps and make it work. Right? Jesus didn't say how far they'd have to go. Jesus didn't give him any information. He just said, act like you're healed. That's what go show yourself to the priest means. Act like you're healed. So that it came to pass that if they were healed as they went. Then it tells us about one of them, verse 15, and one of them when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. Notice he wasn't healed until after he acted like it. Notice the cleansing didn't come until after he acted like he was already clean. Now, we don't know where the other guys are. I guess they continued their way onto the priest. They probably got so happy and so excited they said, Oh, man, look, we're all together. We're all right. Let's hurry to the priest and get him to proclaim us clean. But not one of them. One of them turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet. I don't know if that means they hadn't gone far or if he came running back. I don't know what that means. You decide for yourself. But he came and fell down at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered, And said were there not ten cleansed. Please notice as far as God was concerned. Jesus operating in God's stead. Jesus as the son of God here on the earth. As far as God was concerned. When he said go show yourself to the priests," All they had to do was act on it. And it was done. Jesus doesn't say well golly gee. I'm sure glad to see that worked. As far as God is concerned. When the word is spoken. And acted on It's impossible for it not to work. So Jesus says. Why are you the only one back here? Weren't there ten cleansed? Where are the nine? They're not found that return to give glory to God. Save or accept this stranger. Which indicates that some of the others were Jews. This guy's not a Jew. And he said unto him. Arise go your way. Your faith has made thee whole. Now that's an indication to me. I, I, I You can agree with this or disagree with this. Either way you want to go. It doesn't matter to me. But that's an uh, indication to me. That he got something more than the other's guide. I don't think he's just saying arise and go your way. You're made whole. Just like the other nine that are on their way to to the priest. I believe he's saying arise and go your way. Because your willingness to show thanks. To the one that was the source of your healing. Has gotten you something else. Now what could that be? Well, leprosy eats away body parts when he says arise and go your way your faith has made you whole it could mean that Jesus replaced the eaten away parts that the leprosy had taken off from him now it doesn't have to mean that way and you don't have to believe that just because I say so I could be wrong on that but I like to think that could go either way so I choose to believe that God did the most for him that he could not only healed him but restored him because he was willing to show gratitude and thanks Let me read something to you from the book, uh, Christ the Healer, by F.F. Bosworth. F.F. Bosworth was, uh, uh, let's see, I think he lived, I think he was born in 1877 and died in 1958. He died right at the tail end of the, uh, the, right after the healing revival, as a matter of fact. He was, he was, Seventy years old, when the healing revival started, he had already retired from ministry, but when he saw the move of God taking place, he was a healing minister before that, prior to that, and had had preached to to thousands in uh, auditoriums all over the the country and had done some things a little bit overseas too. And so he was well-known, well-renowned as a healing minister, but he had pretty much uh, retired from uh, from ministry, but then the healing revival started. So he went to work with uh, one of the... um, well, the most prominent healing evangelist during that time, William Branham. And he would teach during the morning services, teach on the uh, subject of healing during the morning services and, uh, and, and had a great deal to do with Brother Branham's success and the, uh, the faith of the, of the people to receive uh, the gift that Brother Branham operated in. He wrote a book in 1924. He would have been, uh, well, what is that? Uh, almost 50 years old, 48 years old, something like that, called Christ the Healer and uh and he he wrote out these things he had a radio program during uh, a certain portion of a certain time in his ministry and he used some of these teachings on the radio and and um, uh, it was uh, it was something that that was re- received in a tremendously successful manner and uh, and there were thousands and tens of thousands and perhaps hundreds of thousands of people healed through both his uh, ministry his uh, 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 convention center, meeting hall type ministries uh, for many years and through the radio and so forth. Uh, let me read to you from uh, from a sermon that uh, that he entitled, The Faith That Takes. He said this. He said, continue to believe that God gave you what you asked for when you prayed. Talking about Mark eleven twenty three, Continue to believe that God gave you what you asked for when you prayed. Thanking and praising him for what he has given and it will always materialize. Let me go through that again slow. Continue to believe that God gave you what you asked for when you prayed, thanking and praising him for what he has given, and it will always materialize. This always puts God to work. So many are waiting for God to heal them when he is waiting for them to take what he's offering them. Things haven't changed much, have they, since 1924. How trying it would be to a friend who offered you a gift if you cried and begged for it. And then kept him waiting for you to take it. Let me put this in another way. Jesus commands us to believe. We, uh, uh, I'm sorry. Jesus commands us to believe. We have received. The things we pray for. At the time we pray. And before they take visible form. It is clear that they exist in two forms. First invisible. Afterward visible. First Believe that you have received them in their invisible form and you shall have them in their visible or material form. We have them first in the faith realm, afterward in the sense realm. Jesus in Mark 11, 24 commands us as soon as we pray to believe that we have received in its invisible form what we pray for. Then he changes it into the visible or material form. Then he references the ten lepers. The ten lepers each had their healing in its invisible form while they were on their way to show the priest their healing in its visible and material form. Let me read that last statement again. The ten lepers each had their healing in its invisible form while they were on their way to show the priest their healing in its visible and material form. Here's the reality the reality says that by Jesus' stripes, Jesus took upon himself stripes, took your. infirmities and bore your sicknesses and with his stripes you were healed that's the reality the reality is that healing belongs to every believer healing belongs to every child of god not some not a few not the lucky ones healing belongs to every child of god it's the word of god just as real as jesus spoke to the nobleman by saying go your way your son lives it's the word of god spoken to you just as real as jesus said to the ten lepers go show yourself to the priest it's a declaration that something has happened It's up to you and me to act like it even though we can't see it. Turn with me over to Romans chapter 4. We'll close with this. Romans chapter 4. Talking about Abraham's faith. Abraham is the father of faith. In other words, he's our example of faith. That the church is to follow. Verse 18. Who, speaking of Abraham against hope that literally means he had no natural circumstances to hope in concerning God's promise of a child who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations he believed in hope well what hope he had to have some kind of information to believe in something that he couldn't have didn't have any circumstances to to confirm so why did he believe in hope that he might become the father of many nations Because God had said, he believed according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. So he put his hope not in the circumstances that he could see in his body, not in the condition of his flesh, not in the condition of his wife's flesh, what his body was able or not able to do and function according to. He put his hope in what God had said, so shall your seed be. That's when God told him to look at the stars of the sky and count them. He said, I can't, too many. He said, so shall your seed be. So that's what he put his hope in. God told him that he'd have children. He told him he'd have a multitude of children. So without anything, any natural physical circumstance to confirm it, he chose to believe that what God said was true. So then how did he act? That's good. That's a good start. But it's just hope. It's just hope. If he doesn't act on it, if he's not a doer of what he's heard, then he's going to be self-deceived just like so many other people are in concerning their faith and their healing. So what did he do? Verse 19, and being not weak in faith. By the way, folks, that's a choice. That's not a chance. That's a choice. And being not weak in faith. In other words, he chose not to be weak in faith by considering not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. It doesn't say that he denied the circumstances in his body. It says he didn't consider them. In other words, he didn't let the facts Of his flesh. And the facts of his wife's flesh. And what's going on in their bodies. Or not going on in their bodies. He didn't let that change. His choice to believe. In what God said. Verse 20. But instead. He staggered not. At the promise of God through unbelief. I like the American standard on this. He said. But looking under the promise of God. He staggered not. But. Was strong in faith. So it tells us what he didn't look at. He didn't look at the circumstances. Or the situation in his body. And it tells us what he did look at instead. That's what it means to look at or to consider. He didn't look at the condition in his body. He looked at the promise of God instead. And was strong in faith. That's a choice. It's a choice not to be weak. Instead instead to make the choice to be strong. But was strong in faith. Giving glory to God. Now that goes back to what Brother Bosworth said. Continue to believe. That God has given you what you asked for when you prayed, thanking and praising Him for the answer. And it will always materialize. Not sometimes, always. Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Again, looking under the promise of God, he staggered not through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded. That what he God had promised, he God was able also to perform. Folks, I got to tell you, being fully persuaded that God can do what He said is easy. You can take your own experience, and and work uh, work out to be fully persuaded. Has God ever not done what He said? Oh yeah, Pastor Mike, I've prayed for things and haven't gotten them. You didn't pray in faith. God's never failed to honor your faith. Oh, yeah, Pastor Mike, I've made confessions before and they haven't worked. You liar. I don't doubt that people have made confessions, but they haven't stuck with them. God has never failed to honor his word for you or me or any other human being on the face of the earth. So how hard is it to believe that God can do what he said? I like to look at it this way. If God wasn't going to do what he said, why did he say it? The fact that he did say say it is proof that he can do it. That's all it says Abraham uh, stuck with. Abraham was strong in faith doing two things. Number one, giving glory to God. In other words, he was continuing to thank and praise God for what he believed he believed God said. For what God had said to him, he believed he received it and thanked God for it before he saw it. And secondly, he was fully persuaded that what God had said he was able also to perform. Folks, if God doesn't keep his word, we're sunk. We got a lot more to concern ourselves with than the condition of our flesh. If God's word is not true, we deserve hell. If God's word is not true, then we don't have a savior. If God's word is not true, then we're not redeemed. But oh, thank God his word is true. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves deceiving yourselves you know the devil the only thing the devil can do is try to talk you into giving up that's all he's got and that's a choice the only thing he can do is talk to you and tell you it's not working it's taking too long you know that if it was working it would have worked by now maybe it would work for somebody else but you don't have enough faith or whatever else he tells you Something along those lines. But it's always about the same thing. Look at your body. Look at the way you feel. You can't see a difference in visible form. So therefore it can't be real. When faith. God demands. That we act as if something invisible. Has already occurred. Jesus took your infirmities. And bore your sicknesses. And with his stripes. You were. Already done. Healed. All you got to do is act on it. Let's all stand. Continue to believe. That God has given you what you asked for. When you prayed. Thanking and praising him for the answer. And it will always materialize. I love that statement. Let's lift our hands and thank God for his word. Thank you that it's coming to pass on our behalf. Oh father it's so good to be healed. Thank you for our healing. Thank you that Jesus took our infirmities. And bore our sicknesses. And with his stripes we were healed. Thank you, Father. No matter what it looks like in our body, we choose to be like Abraham and consider not the condition of our body. But instead, we look under the promise of God, the promise that we were healed by the stripes of Jesus. We refuse to stagger at the circumstances, but instead we choose to be strong in faith, giving you glory. We do that now, Father. We thank you and we praise you for our healing. We thank you that it is done. We thank you that healing is ours. It may be an invisible form, but it's still ours and it's still real. It's still true. It's just as true. It's even more true than if we saw it with our natural eyes. Thank you, Father, that because we believe it, because you said it, we thank you, Father, that we shall have it. It shall materialize in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 Well, God bless you. Thank you for being with us. Have a great week.